0: You're you're, you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. And we already ruined our special surprise, but you know what? Forget that. It's a beautiful day to be a Buckeye fan. Please, if you're new to the podcast, new to the show... Uh, we are a new podcast. Please make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcast. that includes Apple, Spotify, uh, the free Odyssey app, of course. you can also follow us on the 92 the fan YouTube channel. Um, so we got all that out of the way here. and this is the first time we've had a guest on the show Spencer and we wanted to make it a good one. He is the dean of college football, sorry, the Dean of Ohio State football recruiting. You know him from bucknuts.com, you know him from 247 sports. The great Bill Curlick. Bill, welcome to the show, bud. My pleasure. I'm Glad to be the uh, on the inaugural, the inaugural guest, I guess. Well, <laughs> we uh, you know, it's funny, we've been so busy with with the actual games and everything, and so we were talking about like how do we break in a guest for the first time? And I was like, well, we got to go to a legend, right? We got to go to somebody <laughs> who's seen college football and seen recruiting the way you have. And and here you are. And you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you. No problem. No problem at all. So I think it's interesting to talk about where Ohio State is. Obviously, we've got the early uh, signing deadline coming up. Obviously, the portal, uh, that first kind of portal deadline's coming up as well. Just in terms of a state of the program here, how has the disappointing end of the the regular season and the lack of the Big Ten title game, lack of the playoff game for Ohio State, has that had an impact on recruiting for Ohio State? Well, obviously, if you're the staff,
1: if you're – Buckeye Nation, you want to beat Michigan, you want to be in the Big Ten championship game, and you want to be in the college football playoff. Um, uh, by not doing that, it meant that uh, the college that the Ohio State coaches could get on the road and recruit a little bit sooner. They weren't in the Big Ten championship game, so they went out on the road and started recruiting. Um, again, obviously, you'd rather be in that game and rather be playing in the college football playoff, but it didn't happen this year. Uh, So they're making the best out of it. And they've been out on the road. The coaches have been all over the country recruiting. They've been recruiting kids to finish their 2024 class. They've been recruiting ahead on their 2025 and 2026 classes. And then the big thing now is the opening of the transfer portal that opened uh, at the beginning of this month. And it runs until January 3rd. So they've been out on the road uh, recruiting for the, through the transfer portal and, Uh, they've been hosting official visits. Last weekend they hosted a few official visitors, and this weekend they're hosting a couple as well. So it's kind of the same old, same old on the recruiting trail. Ohio State, they don't stop when it comes to recruiting.
2: (laughs) Bill, you mentioned the transfer portal. I think the one position everyone's got their eye on as this thing unfolds, obviously, rightfully so, is the quarterback position, especially with Kyle McCord, announcing that he's entering the portal. We know there was a situation with him, he was looking at Nebraska, sounds like that kind of fell through. For the Buckeyes, are they targeting a quarterback in the portal? It sounds like they were linked to Riley Leonard. Obviously, he's now with Notre Dame. Is there anybody else out there that they're interested in
1: at that position specifically, or is it more of an in-house approach from here on out? Well, right now their focus is on getting ready for the bowl game and getting their quarterbacks ready for that game. You know, They've got Devin Brown, they've got Lincoln Keenholtz, and they've got Tristan Gebbia. And their quarterback focus at this point is to get those guys ready and to beat Missouri in the bowl game. Now, having said that, Ohio state uh, multitasks, so to speak very well, you know, they're going to, they're going to recruit and they're going to get ready to play at the same time. Um, they really, they have a plan, but they, uh, they're not aggressively to the extent of hosting quarterbacks on official visits. They're not going that far. But, um, they want to take a look, first of all, and see what they have. You know, maybe Devin Brown or maybe, Princess Lincoln Keenholtz uh, goes out and lights it up during the bowl game, and that might change things dramatically. So, you know, that's their focus. Um, they also don't necessarily have to sign a quarterback besides what they have, because y- you want four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, come January, they're going to have uh, on the roster, they're going to have Devin Brown, they're going to have Lincoln Keenholz, and they're going to have Air Nolan coming in via their 2024 recruiting class. So that takes them to three. Tristan Gebbia uh, will be done at that point. But you can get by with three. Now, having said that, the preference, again, is to have four quarterbacks on the roster. So uh, they they have looked at uh, Riley Leonard. Uh, another name to keep in mind is Will Howard. Um, he hasn't picked a school yet. Riley Leonard has picked Notre Dame. And that was expected. Um, The the Cam Ward thing is kind of overblown. That hasn't been a he hasn't been a top target of theirs. Um, And they'll continue to look at things. Dante Moore is another name out there to keep in mind. But I don't think anything is going to happen concrete on that front until at least a little bit after the bowl game.
0: Bill, is it as simple as if Devin Brown or Lincoln Keenholz has a nice game, they won't go. And if they have bad games, they will go. Is it that simple, or is this equal parts? It has to be the right person out in the portal. Yeah, I don't think it's quite that simple. I think it's got to be the right fit.
1: You know, uh, they don't necessarily, they aren't necessarily looking for a guy. if they end up really uh, going all in and going all out and looking hard, they're necessarily looking for a guy that um, uh, lights it up numbers-wise necessarily. Uh, they're looking for somebody that would fit into their system and also to fit into the program. They've got a couple good quarterbacks on the roster. Devin Brown was highly recruited. Lincoln Keenholtz was another highly recruited kid. Aaron Nolan certainly highly recruited. So – And also looking even farther ahead for 2025, they've got a commitment from Tavian St. Clair, from Bell Fountain, who I think is one of the top three quarterbacks in the country. So they've got to make it all fit together. They don't necessarily want guys walking out of their quarterback room. They've got to make it all fit together.
0: Now, you mentioned that eligibility, Keen Holtz and Aaron Nolan and the kid from 2025. I'm just curious, is it if they do dip into the portal, would it be more of somebody who might fit the one-year need? Or you you mentioned Dante Moore, who I believe still would have, what, three years of eligibility. Three years, yep. How much does that factor into that that, that situation? Well, I think it would depend on um,
1: what the response, so to speak, would be from the guys in the room. Um, yeah, I, I think their goal would more likely be a short-term guy, but I, I wouldn't say that that's a, that's a final thing, that, uh, that they couldn't go for somebody uh, with more eligibility than that. But I think that they would more likely look for a short-term guy rather than somebody that's going to be there uh, long-term because right now they've got the long-term situation in pretty good shape with Aaron Nolan coming in and Tavian St. Clair committed. With that in mind, Bill, a name that
2: emerged just this week at that position specifically. I know we're hitting a lot of quarterback questions here, but I think this one's interesting. because You can tell we're thirsty <laughs> for a quarterback here. We want information, Bill, yeah. Um, Malik Murphy obviously just announced this week he's he's going to be transferred out of Texas. I know that's a kid that Ohio State recruited and actually offered a scholarship to when, when he was coming out of high school. Is that a player that they could be interested in? We haven't heard anything yet on that front, but – Given the the previous interest, is that somebody they might take a look at?
1: Um, I'm sure that they'll kick the tires. They're going to look at every situation possible, or in every potential uh, person that could help the program. As you mentioned, they did recruit Murphy coming out of high school. Um, he just got in the portal, so it's a little bit early to say right now. Um, you know, my my gut feel. Well, I know that uh, there hasn't been any uh, active contact between the two sides where they've got to the point where they're uh, lining up official visits or anything like that. So it's so early with him, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. He literally, I think just, I think it was yesterday or the day before got in the portal. Yeah.
0: Bill, looking at kind of the portal in general, and I know we want to get to, you know, the high school recruits here in a second, but um, what, what have the Buckeyes prioritized and what have they offered there in the portal to this point? So far, it's been mainly centered on defense.
1: Uh, Last weekend, they brought in Derek Harmon, Michigan State. He was their nose tackle, defensive tackle, and and he was a good one. If you watched the Ohio State, Michigan State uh, game, and you probably didn't concentrate on the middle of the Michigan State defensive line, I'm guessing, but... Uh, If you go back and watch that game, you'll see that uh, Derek Harmon played pretty well against the Buckeyes. He is a defensive tackle, nose guard. He is a 6'4", 350-pounder from Detroit Loyola High School. And um, he's a guy that made an official visit to Ohio State last weekend, and it went well. In fact, he told me that Ohio State was great. Uh, Having said that, he hasn't made any decisions yet. He's visited officially Auburn. And then he went to Ohio State. He did those visits last weekend. He's going to Oregon this weekend. And then he's still considering a return to Michigan State. So right now, he's got four schools um, that he's looking at. So they brought him in on an official visit uh, from the portal last weekend. And this weekend, they're going to bring in two more players on official visits on the defensive side of the ball. Caleb Elarms-Or, he is a linebacker out of Cal will make an official visit to Ohio State this weekend, and he has multiple years of eligibility left. And then another one is Kamari Ramsey is a safety that is at UCLA. Um, he is making official visits this weekend to, believe it or not, on one side of the country, Washington, that's the Huskies, uh, and then kind of on almost on the other side of the country, Ohio State. So he's kind of traveling cross country to visit both those schools this weekend. And those are two kids that the high state is absolutely serious about landing. They're bringing in on official visits. So uh, they're really focused right now has been on defensive players. Uh, Another name to keep in mind is offensive lineman Chase Besantis. He was offered a scholarship by Ohio state out of high school and seriously considered the Buckeyes. He has been at Texas A&M, but he is someone else to keep in mind from the transfer portal.
2: Bill, there's, I think, the reaction to Ohio State having so many players enter the portal this year. You kind of got a mixed bag of reactions. I think for some fans, it it almost felt like hit the panic button, the sky is falling, this doesn't usually happen to Ohio State. I think you and I both know, and, and all three of us know, like there's context to that, not being in the playoff, this is happening a little bit earlier on than it normally would for Ohio State, that type of thing. But is from your perspective, like, is this a sign that oh no, the sky is falling in Columbus, or is it more so just sort of a sign of the times?
1: Well, I think it's more a sign of the times that everybody is going to have guys go into the transfer portal, and it was I was kind of uh, found it interesting that um, uh, Michigan was kind of touting that they've only had one guy in the portal. Well, that's going to change. They're in the college football playoff. And if you're a kid and your school is going to the college football playoff, you're probably not getting in the portal right now, especially considering that after your season is over, you got another 15 days to get in that portal. So Michigan's time will come. They'll have guys in the portal. (laughs) Um, But uh, Ohio State not getting to the playoffs, it happened a little quicker for them. And if you look at the guys that got in the portal for Ohio State, um, Kyle McCord was a, a surprise, you know, that didn't, was not necessarily expected. Um, but the other guys that got in the portal were not guys that generally speaking had big roles with Ohio state this past season. Maybe the, the key one were there was, uh, uh, Chip Tranum, the running back played quite a bit and then Julian Fleming. But if you look at their situations, it's not all that surprising that they got in the portal. You know, the Ohio State's got a boatload of great wide receivers still, uh, young guys, and running back-wise, they're in pretty good shape there too, especially if, if Travion Henderson comes back. He hadn't made a final decision yet, but it kind of looks like he might surprise people and come back to Ohio State. So uh, the guys that got in the portal from Ohio State uh, basically are, are looking for more playing time at other schools. Um and, and, those guys it's going to happen at every school it's it's just a sign of the times bill
0: Bill, oh go ahead bud
1: sorry um i just as a follow because you mentioned the common court situation
2: and that obviously came as a surprise to the team do you have do you have any details or information on just like how that kind of came about from his perspective but also just the team perspective because ryan day kind of gave that i don't want to say ominous but that that quote about, yeah, you know, we'll we'll evaluate everything when he had his press conference after the cultural playoff was announced. And I think that kind of people kind of pointed to that as, okay, that even means the quarterback position. But I I, I guess I'm just curious, like from both sides, where the feelings were on on the relationship between each other moving forward into 2024 and how it came to be that he eventually decided, I'm going to go into the portal.
1: Well, I think if you're Kyle McCord, you expected to be uh, the starter next season and in the bowl game. And if you're Ohio State, you may not have been, while you thought he did a good job, you may not have been totally sold on him moving forward. Um, And you were going to open up the competition. And that's what Ohio State was going to do. And that's not uncommon. If you look at Pete Carroll, when he was at USC, every Tuesday, it was competition Tuesday. Mm. Your job was on the line. And if you didn't practice well on Tuesday, you may not be starting on Saturday, it was Competition Tuesday. And that's generally what schools do. Um, you know, you can't just show up and be a starter, so to speak. You've got to earn your position. And, and basically, as you said, Brian Day uh, opened things up. He said that, you know, we're not committing to necessarily anyone, and that would include Kyle McCord. And if you're Kyle McCord, you look at that situation and say, hey, you know, I'm not necessarily going to be the starter, so I need to look around a little bit.
0: Bill, with the early signing deadline coming up here, obviously the number one name that has been talked about, um, maybe even more so than Aaron Nolan, has been wide receiver Jeremiah Smith. Uh, I believe I saw that he would be the highest rated receiver ever in Ohio State history, which is saying something, considering the the guys they've reeled in. I'm just curious, how much of a concern is there that he could potentially be flipped to another school?
1: well uh you can't get any higher than the number one player in the country and that's exactly what jeremiah smith is in our 247 sports uh player ranking he is the number one player in the country and for good reason if if you've watched him i mean he's electric he's just unbelievable in the uh state championship game i think if i recall right he caught 11 passes or something like that in the state championship game um uh you know, his situation is that he has continued to take visits throughout the process. He has visited a lot of schools, including Ohio State, multiple times this season. Um, but it's not because he's unhappy with his commitment to Ohio State. It's just that he has said all along that if Brian Hartline and Ryan Day are at Ohio State, he is going to Ohio State. But in the world of college football, you just never know. And I think it was somewhat, you know, kind of smart for Jeremiah to get his ducks lined up, to know what he was thinking, if by any chance there was a change that that maybe Ryan Day or Ryan Hartline go to the NFL or whatever, um, that he would have his ducks lined up. Now having said that, I I expect him to sign with Ohio State uh come Wednesday and be a buckeye. I'll be I would be shocked if that did not happen.
0: So from him to Air Noland, uh there's been so much talk about Air and you know another five-star quarterback recruit, the future of the program, all this stuff. I'm just curious where, where's the thought process? Because Jeremiah seems to be ready to to step in day one, make an impact. Quarterbacks, it can be a bit different. Is the thought that Air Nolan could truly be ready to start at quarterback next year for Ohio State, or could this be a young player that maybe benefits from a year waiting? Well, you know, I never like to say never when it comes to
1: recruiting or or playing right away but as a true freshman it sure is tough to go to a place like Ohio State and start from day 1. I mean that just does not happen often. You look at CJ Stroud didn't do it. Um Dwayne Haskins didn't do it. You know, so Joe Burrow certainly didn't do it. Um it's really really tough and think about how good Joe Burrow and CJ Stroud are. Now, could Air Nolan do it? I would never rule it out. I just wouldn't expect it to happen. It's just really, really tough to do. Um, and by the way, Ohio State was just uh, made their another home visit, or another visit with Aaron Nolan. Again, they recruit these guys all the way through the process. And quarterback coach Corey Dennis – and uh, tight ends coach Keenan Bailey uh, were just at Aaron Nolan's school. In fact, uh, Keenan Bailey offered a 2026 tight end, a scholarship while he was there. So they're recruiting these guys all the way through the process. And Aaron Nolan is going to be signing with Ohio State uh, come Wednesday.
2: Bill, you mentioned the pursuit of a lot of defensive guys in the transfer portal. I, I think in the recruiting, the the upcoming recruiting class there's kind of a nice balance of offensive and defensive guys. But some notable guys on the defensive side of the ball, especially um, like Edric Houston, who's coming in as a as a five star recruit. Just what do you what are your big takeaways from the incoming freshman class of recruits, and in in terms of what Ohio State is trying to do with the roster that they're constructing?
1: Well. Um... You know, the the highlight of the class, I guess you'd say right now, is kind of like it usually is wide receivers. They've got two five star wide receivers committed. They've got Jeremiah Smith, who we've talked about, and then Mylon Graham uh, is a five star out of Indiana. And then they've got a guy that, uh, while he's not a five star, you know, he he could be as good as any of them coming when it all is said and done. That's Jeremiah McClellan out of Missouri. He's a high four star wide receiver. So you start at wide receiver, uh, you've got Edric Houston, a five star. Uh, that is committed. Uh, You've got uh, uh, certainly uh, on the defensive side of the ball, the two cornerbacks from Ohio. They're as good as as you can uh, hope to get. Um, That would be Aaron Scott out of Springfield. And then from up in Northeast Ohio, Bryce West out of Cleveland Glenville. Those guys are fantastic prospects. So, uh, you know, across the board, it's just another really, really good recruiting class at tight end. They've done well. They've got Max LeBlanc out of Canada uh, via high school in Tennessee. Uh, you've got Damarian Witten from Cleveland Glenville that's committed. Um, you know, so, so really they've done another good job, probably the place that they're looking right now, again, uh, to fill some holes would be at defensive end and edge. And that's why you see in um, defensive tackle a little bit too. That's why you see the them first and foremost
0: at this point, bringing in guys from the portal on the defensive line. Bill, the O-line was a big talking point last year. I think by the end of the season, we did see a little bit more consistency up front here, but it has been a talking point, not just with Ryan Day, but even at points with Urban Meyer. And I'm just curious, is there a thought about where maybe the disconnect is, whether it's in recruiting, whether it's in development, whether there's something going on there coaching wise that we've kind of seen, maybe not the dominant Ohio state offensive lines with guys like Orlando pace and Corey Stringer that we we got spoiled with 20 years ago.
1: Well, you know, they, they haven't had a Paris Johnson or a, 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 Corey Stringer, as you mentioned, another one certainly would be Orlando Pace. They haven't had one of those guys, uh, in the last year or two, uh, Paris Johnson was the last one. So uh, their recruiting has been good on the offensive line, but it hasn't been great. And they've had a new offensive line coach in the last couple of years. You know, Justin Fry has come in and taken over from Greg Studrara. So you've got to give him a little bit of time, um, Recruiting is about relationships and it's tough to build those relationships if you're not at that school. And Justin Fry now, this is going to be a big class for him coming up with 2025. He will have been at Ohio State for some time and he will have had some time to build those relationships. And that's this 2025 class is going to be big. He landed for the 2024 class, Ian Moore out of Indiana, Who I think is going to be a really good offensive tackle for the Buckeyes. He landed the Twins from Cleveland, or I should say Lakewood St. Edwards, the Armstrong brothers, Deontay and Devontae, who have a lot of potential. And then he got Gabe Van Sickle out of Michigan, who I think has a chance to be a good one. But 2025 is going to be absolutely a priority for Justin Fry when it comes to offensive line recruiting.
2: So we'll get you out of here with this one. Um, You talk about recruiting being about relationships, and obviously Ryan Day's a staff a built up this staff that is is very very good at going out and building those for their specific position groups and and staying on the recruiting trail and staying active. But should we be expecting any head coaching or not head coaching? Excuse me, just coaching changes in general, because we know how that stuff tends to impact players' decisions. Like one guy leaves, you mentioned Jeremiah Smith saying if if as long as Ryan Day and right out at ohio state i'm going there um what what are some of those that we maybe could see coming down the pike uh after the bowl game
1: well you know i i i don't like to speculate when it comes to coaches jobs just because it's it's their jobs it's their yeah, livelihood sure. so i i don't really like to speculate on that you know obviously uh people have talked about uh, a possible change or two on the Ohio State staff and I'm not saying that couldn't happen. Uh, I just haven't been told that it's going to happen. So I really don't want to speculate on, on what might happen with with those coaches. Uh, obviously, nothing is going to happen if it does happen to after the bowl game. So you know, let's get to that point and see where we're at,
0: Bill you've been fantastic. You've been so gracious with your time today. You woke up early for us, which for me, I don't like waking up. So that is like the highest compliment. So we appreciate you great stuff. And we're going to spend the rest of the podcast dissecting every single damn word you said. That's how good you (laughs) were, sir. Uh I'm a little worried about that, I guess, but
1: uh, (laughs) it's my pleasure to be on and, uh, hope, uh, you guys have a great Christmas and New Year, and we'll see what happens. Uh,
0: signing day is just a few days away, so always an interesting time. Same to you and your family. Bill, you're the best, buddy. Thanks, Thank Bill. You. Take care, guys, guys. we will come right back on the other side of this, but first, a quick word for our Sponsors. Well, that was great, Spencer. Our first guest, Bill Curlick. <laughs> and uh, man, I, you know, it's funny. I, I sensed your panic from across the podcast when, when he was like, "Yeah, you know, it's not a certainty that they're going to add a, a quarterback in the portal." He doesn't get a sense there's a <laughs> lot of interest in Cam Ward at this interest at this point. It's too early to say about Malik Murphy. I sensed your panic, so I just wanted to give you a chance to li- you know live in your fears here. If you just if you have panic in your heart, let it out. I'm grateful
2: that we have this space to, uh, to vent and react and, and, you know, share our full emotions here. Um, I, I mean, I think to this point, I, I think panic's probably a good word for it. Cause I've been kind of panicked through this whole process. Once we heard McCord was leaving. Cause, and here's the thing, like it's not that I'm upset that McCord's leaving. Cause I just don't think for Ohio state, the standard of that position is, is higher than other schools. Fair or unfair. That's just the truth. Um, so I, I understand where it, if, if, if they're moving on from him and he's deciding to go do his find find what is right for him, I can respect that. I have no qualms about it. I just want there to be like a replacement that makes sense and that you feel like is going to take this team to where we want them to go. Now, I, what makes me a little bit nervous is that maybe in-house is where they stay. but i I think Bill actually sort of calmed me down a little bit with his answer in regards to just guys they could be looking at because, like he he mentioned, we haven't heard anything yet about Malik Murphy and maybe he'd be linked to Ohio state. And he kind of said like, yeah, but it's still early for him. It's only been a couple of days. And the fact that he said, you know, straight up, I don't think they'll make a move, a major move like that until after the bowl game, which is obviously we're coming up to about two weeks out from that now. Um, so yeah, like I, I think there's still a little bit of panic in me, but I also feel like maybe that I'm, I'm assuming that the program has a better read on, the situation in terms of where, like, how these things move. And yeah, you're, you're, some of your bigger fish are off the board. Riley Leonard's gone. There's been some others who have committed, but the fact that there maybe is some room to be patient here. And if Malik Murphy's not ready to like jump to make a decision, there might be still be time to go get him. And I'm actually, after he announced, and I've, I've done some more digging on just his stats and his numbers and, and the people who are talking about him it feels like that would be an awesome fit for Ohio State if he was willing to come here and if they're actually going to potentially pursue him. So, yes, there's panic, um, but if they're going to sort of use that game as as a rehearsal for some of these guys, I can live with that as long as it means if they're not very good, there's still some options out there that they can maybe bring in.
0: So the thing that I liked that I had heard is, okay, Bill had said that they were actually a little surprised that Kyle McCord went into the portal Yeah. So if that really caught them off guard, if they were planning on it being McCord, Devin Brown and Keen Holtz and Aaron Olin next year, the, the four man quarterback room, if that's true, then I like the idea of biding your time and just being patient because, you know, if the worst case scenario is you just get kind of another guy to throw in there. Between Devin Brown and I mean, I, I think the Devin Brown Kyle McCord thing, I think it was truly 50-50. And I think they ended up choosing Kyle McCord because of the benefits of playing with Marvin Harrison Jr. So, and maybe, you know, giving Devin a little more time to develop as a passer. So I kind of think that, you know, if the worst thing is Devin Brown, Air Nolan, Lincoln Keenholtz, and and a fourth guy who is like a okay starter somewhere. I mean, it's not optimal, but if that's the worst thing, I still think you can find a starting quarterback that can win you games next year. And I think Devin Brown is the kind of guy that I think in a Michigan game, his dual threat nature can can help you offset some of the passing deficiencies compared to like a Kyle McCord. So yeah. I'm not really that. So it's funny. Like I would, I'm still want, and I still would love, I still will mark out if they get... Malik Murphy, or if they were to get one of these big names, I know Cam Ward's not likely, but I, I think it's really interesting, you know that that they would be comfortable where they are. But I like the idea that they're not panicking just because they were caught off guard that McCord, you know seemingly left and they weren't expecting that.
2: Well, it sounds like Cam Ward is being sued, uh, courted by Rick Ross. So I, it, it seems like that's probably a done deal. He's going to Miami. We, anyway, we can't
0: but... compete with Rick Ross. <laughs> like, yeah, who, who's
2: who, the who... Columbus rapper that people want to hang out with? I, don't I mean, know. could Columbus well, I don't, borrow uh, well, you know MGK? What? LeBron kind of claims Columbus. So maybe there's, there's a pitch there, but um, he's not technically a, a Columbus guy or an Ohio State guy. So it's a little Let, bit. But... Okay.
0: But let's be honest. LeBron's <laughs> going to act ethically in recruiting. Rick Ross he's going to give him the, the full patino he's there's going to be yeah, strobe lights. There's going to be that's ladies true. of the night. There's going to be bumping and grinding. <laughs> something like, night. Let's let's just be real oh, honest man. about how Rick Ross is going to go ahead and woo people. To you don't, <laughs> you don't bring people to Miami and be like, Oh, this is a lovely park that we have. And this is a place where you oh, can come study. check out our stadium. Yeah. It's a oh, facility. and here's and... sister, uh, you know, Rosemary and she's the longest standing <laughs> monk here in Miami. You can can get daily devotions from her. No, no, sir. You're going to the clubs. Yeah, you're taking Miami <laughs> tens, right? Maybe there's a little be, bit of skiing going on. I don't. There's going mean, pharmaceuti- to be a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical buffet in front of you, <laughs> and basically just gobs and gobs and gobs of cash. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, I'm a 38 year old man. That exact formula is how you bring down me and every other, like I am a, I am a well-regarded member of society. I am a beloved father. I am a responsible individual so far as anybody knows. And even I could be swayed by Miami tens, a pharmaceutical buffet and gobs and gobs of money.
2: Oh uh yeah. That's, that's very fair. It's, it's a, it's a very, it's a tough sales pitch to top. That's for sure. Um, I, I do, I do want to agree with you though, because I think on some level, the panic that I feel about whether or not they should go get a quarterback and are they going to find a guy in the portal and what's the quarterback room going to look like? Um, I, I do think there's something to be said for the program itself, not just because the last thing you want is for them to just fold to fan criticisms or fan, uh, you know, just, just the fan outrage that's out there. And and we know how, how loud that can be from, you know, a certain contingent of fans and just go out and get a guy just to get a guy. Like if they're, if they're going about their business the right way, you hope that they are patient with it and that they do find the right quarterback that they think is going to be a fit for them. Even if that means somebody who's on the roster, I'm just hesitant about the guys that are currently on the roster right now, Knowing that I haven't really seen a lot from Keen Holtz, I haven't even seen a lot from Devin Brown. I'm just assuming if he couldn't beat out McCord,
0: makes me question All right, I'm I'm part of Keen Holtz hive over here, so you bite your tongue <laughs> on no, Lincoln no, no. Keen Holtz, the that, pride of South Dakota. It's not that I don't think there's
2: like potential there. I like I said, I haven't seen enough about him. I'm just hesitant about the guys that are currently in the roster, and I think that, I think part of that is because we haven't seen a lot from them. And I and I would say it's probably more so. Like I'm almost more inclined in the bowl game, I'd almost rather see Keenholz more so that I at least know there's something I can look and say, okay, or maybe split the, I mean, they're not going to probably do it this way, but I'd kind of love it if they split the game in half, like, Hey, you get a half and you get a half. Let's see what happens. Because then at least I could get something on something tangible in front of me on tape where I could go back and say, well, I really like that he did this, but I really like that he did this. Because right now, like my assumption is Devin Brown, how good can he be if he couldn't beat out Kyle McCord? And then I'm for Keenholz. I'm like, okay, he probably was just too young to start. He was just coming in, but what does that mean for him moving forward? Will he be better than Devin Brown? So I kind of just want to see it before I, I make
0: any rash judgments. So I think what's interesting about it is the thing that I like about both Devin Brown and Keenholz They're okay. So I'm they're different people, but mm-hmm. they both kind of have a swagger to them. Devin Brown is very boisterous, which has been kind of pointed out in this whole process. He's talked about, you know, how he sees this an opportunity to make this his team. And at the same point, it's it's a different kind of thing, but Lincoln Keenholz has swagger. And I do like you can kind of see it when he walks in the field for a kid that's a freshman. I
2: kind of like he, that.
0: I yeah. kind of want that.
2: I kind of want that in my Ohio State quarterback, honestly. Like, think about going to that Michigan game. Like, you don't want think about the what Kyle Corps was saying. Oh, it's just another game, you know, we're just taking it one game at a time. Like that was all that was his mentality, and he got ripped yep. for it after the fact. I kind of like the idea of of a guy like Keenholz coming in. And just holding nothing back. Yeah, we hate Michigan. We're gonna beat them this year. Like, I, I, even if it backfires on you, like, I kind of love that that energy.
0: Well, and what I think is important about it is, you know, you don't. Good teams are like a melting pot of personalities, Mm -hmm. and I always kind of felt like in this. Urban Myers,
2: uh, Florida teams back in the day.
0: Uh, Okay, well, (laughs) look at also criminals in the case of Urban. (laughs) Yeah, but it's two digits. That
2: team is like the most. You talk about personalities. That team has the two extremes. You have people who are committing crimes, and then you have the face of it all. Tim yeah. Tebow, who was like Jesus reincarnated, like yeah, I mean, who, did, come on. who
0: waited, who who saved himself until his uh, wedding night, <laughs> as a bunch of Miami tens threw themselves at him. That's the be- incorruptible man. That.
2: I don't believe that. But which part? That he saved himself for marriage? Are you kidding me? You were the quarterback in Florida when I'm not he he didn't National do ch- anything.
0: He just did no, enter the holiest my... temple. That's all. I think
2: all. That that's that's that that's like he was already painted as this very godly image. I think that's just how he took it to the next level was telling that folktale like, Oh yeah. By the way, I'm saving myself for marriage, you know? And it would just, it just took it to a whole nother level of being like, again, the, the reincarnation of Jesus. That's, what, that's yeah, what all right. I mean.
0: <laughs> so I, I actually do believe him, but the idea that there would be a 30 for 30 on the trail of ass that Tim Tebow left behind <laughs> as he was wearing a purity ring, I would watch every bit like the 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 they just have a lineup count.
2: of they just have a lineup of women who do interviews about like it's yeah like you a know timeline. I I was sliding into his DMs and every time he just he just sent me a Bible verse and I knew that was not going to happen tonight so but
0: it's a timeline of booty that he's got me <laughs> where it just starts with like you know I'm Mary Catherine and you know we did things in church when we were 16 years old like I like the idea and then like by the <laughs> time he's in college it's like three at a time with toys and there's like, you know, pagan ritualistics, like in the background, like (laughs) you've now, this is what you've done to me by mentioning Tim Tebow and uh, the, uh, the lack of virginity in your opinion there. Now um, I think, I think it's also interesting to hear Bill talk about the emphasis in the portal being on the defensive side of the ball, which with Tyreek Williams going off to the NFL, Jack Sawyer's playing in the bowl game. We'll find out about his future. Uh, Tuimo Tui Loao is another one. Um, you know, it's funny. This was a good defense. And statistically, it was a great defense, but it didn't have the traditional markings of a truly great Buckeyes team, which are, a Bosa brother, which are Chase Young, which yeah. are you know a top five pick off the edge, and so it was interesting to hear about the the kid Harmon out of Michigan State and whether he'll land because you know there's another kid again he's he plays up the middle he doesn't play edge but it's interesting that that you know he's more of a run stuffer you you, you kind of wonder if at any point in the Jim Knowles defense if we're going to get back to having the Bosa brothers, the chase youngs, the, the, you know, and I mean, even go back to Tressel with Will Smith and guys like that, the elite edge rushers who went on to become top 10, top 20, top 32 picks in the NFL draft.
2: I think that's been one of the most discouraging things about some of these recent recruiting classes is just the lack of that. Well, and you thought you were getting some of those guys because I mean, you look at 24 seven sports um, and you see that Jack Sawyer is like the sixth highest. Ohio State recruit of all time, JT Tuimolau is a a number five. So it's like they they and listen, I think JT he 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 was probably the best defensive lineman they had in recent years. He made some really big plays in some of the bigger games on their schedule. We know I I remember Penn State from last year. He had some other moments this year as well. So he was like the one guy that did stand out at times, but it wasn't quite at the level of the guys that you named before the the Bosa brothers chase young. Like you had one of these staple pass rushers and it does feel like at the college level, like listen, at every level of football, it's one of the trenches for sure. But it feels like a college football. That is the point, like that is emphasized so much more. And it is the biggest, it's the biggest discrepancy that exists between, you know, your, your high level D one FBS teams and your Mac F, you know, FBS teams, like the talent along the defensive line is just scoured at that point. When you get down to that level of the, of the sport, And so they don't have the guys to kind of bolster those groups. So, yeah, like I'm waiting for that as well. Um, I'm hoping that with some of the guys they're targeting, I think it's interesting that they're going after linebackers because stopping the run has been an issue for them against Michigan the last couple of years. And I think that's something that instantly makes you feel like you're a tougher team defensively. I like, I like the addition of Edric Houston. I know they lost, uh, I forget who's the guy they lost to Miami
0: recently who flipped. I forget off the top of my head, his name. Um, but yeah, like the kid I, with the, the boatloads of cash in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't true. remember his name either, but I remember that cash. <laughs>
2: that money is a lot louder than the cat than his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think there's signs that they're at least trying to improve those areas, which is good. I just hope that they can, they can hit on somebody here in the next couple of years, whether it's through the portal or whether it's through recruiting, that really is that difference making defensive player. Cause you're right. We we haven't seen that the last few years, there's been some good names and names that we knew but there hasn't been that standout that, you know, is the the headliner every single game or the, the guy that we can sit and talk about as a top tier NFL prospect off of the defensive side of the ball.
0: We also heard about Justin Fry, the offensive line coach, and, you know, the importance of the next two classes here uh because the offensive line has been a bit of a, a yeah. disappointment obviously last year they had a dip into the portal as well and that didn't maybe turn out the best and i will say i feel a lot better about jeremiah smith who you know, you know bill had said um you know his line is as long as ryan day and um brian are there uh that's where he's gonna go so i that 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 was the big one uh and they that listen they're always going to attract wide receiver talent But Jeremiah Smith's the kind of guy who could immediately step in and replace – you're not going to replace Marvin, but replace the playmaking that Marvin gives you, assuming you lose both Marvin and Abuka. And, you know, all of a sudden there's less pressure on a guy like Carnell Tate if there's another immediate playmaker on the field.
2: Yeah, that was an encouraging thing to hear because I, I, you know – as we're recording this, knowing that he's going into the weekend to, 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 a visit with Florida state now, Florida state doesn't, I don't, I don't think Tallahassee quite has the, the Miami nightclubs and, and well, they might have some of the other stuff at their disposal that uh, Miami does. It's not that Florida, Florida can
0: knock <laughs> 10. It's like a trout <laughs> farm. That's true. It's ridiculously attractive. Um. Yeah.
2: But yeah, like, so maybe that, maybe that lures him in too, but yeah, I, I think the fact that that's kind of been the company line for Jeremiah Smith, and at the end of the day, I think Bill said it best: like re- recruiting is a relationship game. Um, it's ironic, you know, the first two letters of recruiting, the first two letters of relationship, are the same. So, like, I, th- I think it's it's a it's a testament to the staff that 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 Ryan Day has, and that they do prioritize that, and that they've been able to build those relationships and bring in the talent that they brought in, starting most notably with Brian Hartline, who clearly has been like just an ace at landing the, the top re- receiver recruits in the country. I know I know we want to take a break here in a second. I do have a question maybe when we come back just about the transfer portal in general because the Malik Murphy situation I think is kind of disappointing in some ways in terms of like the, just this current trend with the portal. So maybe we can get into that a little bit here because I, I, I think it's interesting to see, yes, there's all these people entering the portal right now, um, but should there be some sort of, I guess restrictions on, on how this system sort of works, because I I do think he's kind of getting a raw
0: deal here in some ways too. We'll get to that. But first a word from our sponsors. Final segment to go, guys. As always, follow the show at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. But we take a quick look at our Michigan panic meters. There is no change in my panic. As I have said, the most likely things that will impact my panic meter are Dante Moore and whether he lands at Ohio State, Michigan, or otherwise, and what the what the Buckeyes do at uh, portal. So I stay uh, at quarterback uh so i stay uh in the light scarlet
2: yeah i think i'm I'm sticking in the light scarlet as well so i'm just going to keep this up here for a second because um i'm with you i think the the biggest things that will impact it the portal if they address the quarterback position if dante Moore ends up at michigan that made me a little bit nervous i also think too off the conversation we just had to kind of end last segment around jeremiah smith if he ends up at florida state I don't know that I would change it but if he if he for sure but like if we're talking about him committing to Ohio State next Wednesday and signing on the dotted line finally then that'll make me maybe go into the white to know okay all this talk about the recruiting class losing some steam and guys maybe flipping it'll once we see what that's that final sort of group coming in looks like it'll it'll make me feel a little bit better about things where I'm, I'm, I might actually revert back to the white so we'll see
0: so with that going on, the big news earlier this week, Malik Murphy, Texas' backup, who got to play when Quinn Ewers was banged up, steadied the ship, obviously, uh, helped them to this playoff berth. He is in the portal, and it's not just should we get him, which is something we can definitely talk about yeah. as we continue on here. I, I think Bill's right. I think let's give it till next week and see where the, the names start to fall and who's interested in him. But then it's more about, this agonizing decision this kid had to make of, do I do what's best for me, which is going to the portal before it closes in early January, uh, or do I stick with his team through the college football playoff? And obviously he ended up choosing what was best for him, but he kind of went on record saying how brutal of a decision this was and how maybe unfair the timing of the transfer portal is.
2: Yeah, and I thought that Steve Sarkeesian's quotes on it were pretty um poignant like he he talked a lot just about how he feels bad for malik and how he really had to make it like an agonizing decision about his future and how he thinks it's unfair because he he think he flat out said like malik should be with us like he should be with us on this ride and be part of this but i i understand where he has to make the right decision for himself in his future and obviously from his perspective he's reading the tea leaves of well quinn ewers is I think this probably tells the story that Quinn Ewers is coming back to Texas um, because if he maybe had a chance to get that job, maybe he doesn't leave. But the fact that he's now in the portal tells me Quinn Ewers probably is coming back. And then he knows after that that it's, it's going to pave the way for Arch Manning to take over. So I, like, I, I can't blame him. It doesn't sound like Steve Sarkeesian's really blaming him. He, he, he certainly sympathized with the young man. And I think that's all you really can do from from a head coaching standpoint. I, I I really thought what Steve Sarkeesian said was was pretty telling, where you could tell even he was sort of in, in in conflict with the whole process because he understands. Yeah, I I respect that he wants to go do what he needs to do, and and he should. But I also feel bad because I want him to be with us for this ride that he actually contributed to this year. Like it's not like this was just a guy who was sitting there, you know, watching it all unfold. No, he had to actually come in and play games and got them to a point where they stayed undefeated and make the, the playoffs. So not undefeated, but they had, they had the one loss, but stayed unbeaten one, when he was in the, when he was playing, they stayed unbeaten. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it just raises the question, Nick, like how do you moderate this moving forward? Because you kind of have this early portal window and then there's a second portal window after bull season kind of wraps up and after the championship game, but it, Is this something that's going to need governance at some point? Because right now, you talk about the Wild Wild West, and I generally have felt like "Eh, that's not the end of the world. Like, let these kids make money off their name, image, and likeness. Let them do what they think is best for them. But there's also a lot of times where kids get exploited, and that's not really fair either. And I do think it's kind of wrong in this scenario specifically that kids are able to leave, or they feel like they need to leave before they can finish what they started. And it's going to be worse next year if there's a like maybe there's a kid that. Doesn't know that he's going to get to play on. Say it's the same situation next year with a twelve-team playoff, and Texas is ranked like I don't know seventh or eighth. Like he still wouldn't get a chance to see this thing through. So I don't know. Like how do you govern it? How do you govern this? What needs to change? You think in terms of the way the portal is handled and overseen.
0: I think the tough thing is you also have to remember these are colleges. So these young men, most, you know, if you're transferring uh, a lot of the time, the preference from the football perspective is that you get in in time for spring practice, which means you'd have to be ready by January. So I I think that's, I think that's tough. I think that in some ways is immovable. So if you open up the portal earlier, Um, you're impacting obviously the regular season. If you limit the time, meaning, you know, okay, well now we're going to go ahead and push it till after the college football playoff, or it'll stay open for everybody until January 15th. Now you're impacting college admissions. Like I don't think there's a simple fix. And I, I, I think like every time there's a, Uh, a situation that is not advantageous to everyone or disadvantageous to specifically a young person like Malik, we jump and say, well, we got to fix this. And it's like, well, find me the fix because I haven't heard a good fix. And I, I, listen, I, if we can avoid this and there are certain things like NCAA uh, with the, with the, with the two time transfer stuff, like that's, uh, that could have been avoided. That didn't need to be a lawsuit right? That we didn't need Tez Walker. We didn't, uh, we didn't need all these other kids. Um, the, I can't remember the kid who was actually on the Browns practice squad this year. Oh, uh, was it Brock Huffman at Virginia tech? We don't need that. That was a, that was a common sense fix that made sense with the, with the, excuse me, with the portal window. I don't know what the common sense fix is. And that, that bugs me. Cause I'd, I'd like one of those be nice. I just don't see it. How about you? Do you think the 12 team format will change at all when like
2: spring ball starts? Because I I was trying to make sure i knew this coming into the show from what I can gather, the the first round of the playoffs would be starting technically Well, we're at the 15th. Uh, It would technically be starting like around the 20th. So we're like a week out from when it would theoretically be starting. Like does that change? And and then the championship game isn't actually going to be played until like a month after that, like end of January, January 20th, somewhere around there. So does that maybe change how spring ball is viewed knowing some of these teams are now preparing like, Hey, we're going to maybe make a semifinal and be playing until January 10th. So maybe there's a window there where the, with the portal, like, I don't know how all this is going to look differently based off of just the the format of the college ball playoff, but like, I think you're right. It's a hard thing to govern and you got to sort of take what's given to you in terms of the windows you have to allow guys to change schools that they want to, but it is, it is frustrating because, And I also wonder, like, how that impacts guys' decisions. Like, if you're playing sooner, does that help you maybe now? Like, like if they said you couldn't transfer during this window of time, does that maybe now allow you to play in some of these playoff games? Like, I I don't know what the answer is either, and it might not be clear cut. I also wonder what things look like. You know, Charlie Baker, president of the NCAA, was talking about now basically making another subdivision of college football where it would be like your Mac schools and it'd be like FBSB and – FB, we'll call it. FBSA. We'll call it Division
0: One. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> Nobody's like, thought of this before. Make it more <laughs> exclusionary.
2: Like I, like I wonder if them transitioning to a format that like all the big money making schools um, are sort of in their own division of their own. Like if that maybe changes things too. But it's it's a complicated thing to navigate. I get it. I just wonder like what all this change that's coming maybe means for
0: how it how it maybe operates differently in the future. All right, guys, we do have early signing period ending next week. Obviously, we're we'll be inside um two weeks until college football, the big game Ohio State versus Missouri. Some more to come. As always, we are a new podcast. Please make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, multiple places if you can. Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, where literally wherever you get your podcasts, and of course the 923 the fan YouTube channel, Spencer. Go Bucks. Good to see you, buddy. Go Bucks. We'll do it again soon.